So it's really about on one end, balancing the implementation of tangible new practices on a large scale with new wording and language so everybody can still understand each other that's going through this transition. But on the other hand, you need to balance it with making sure that what is introduced is still relevant for the team and the people, that they still feel what is being done is still relevant for their why. And my guest today on the School of Innovation podcast is Suzanne Voss. While studying at the Delft University of Technology, Suzanne joined the family business, a European metal fabrication company founded by her grandfather. There, she was tasked with envisioning ways to keep the company moving forward. In the process, she learned how to solve complex problems and realized that running a company is more than technology and processes. It's about people too. Wanting to make a true impact, Suzanne made the transition into the corporate world. She joined ING, a global financial institution with a strategic priority of disrupting itself. In the client-facing business units, she learned the inner workings of a global bank and how to navigate the maze of a large multinational organization. During an overseas assignment to Singapore, She was offered the opportunity to stay and build ING Labs, a brand new business unit focused on establishing partnerships and building new technology-driven companies that go beyond traditional banking products. Today, Suzanne coaches individuals and teams to launch, accelerate, and scale their businesses using elements from agile, design thinking, and lean startup. In addition to her coaching role with ING Labs, She also brings the growth mindset and tools of these methodologies to the rest of the wholesale banking business in Asia Pacific. Please welcome Suzanne Voss. Hey Suzanne, welcome back to school. Thank you. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to have you here. I feel like this is going to be an, an, a wonderful episode. But before we get started, I think we should share with our audience something that happened when we first started. tried to record this episode. Do you remember what happened? Absolutely. We were counting down to get started and then the power went out because of the heat wave and the air conditionings and everything, whatever happened, and the power went out and uh, we were texting like, exactly. what is happening? What is happening? <laughs> and I said, well, this is typical to any innovation project ever. You know, you got to have a little bit of a challenge. Otherwise, you cannot really call it an innovation podcast. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And who knows, you know, we might encounter some additional challenges during this recording. But uh, as innovators, yeah, we'll, we'll try to keep it uh, we'll try to keep it real. Exactly. We're going to be stubborn about our goal, but flexible about our methods. Oh, fantastic. So you're already dropping like uh, knowledge bombs, uh, but even before we started, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay. I'm trying, so, I'm trying, trying to sound smart for the podcast. <laughs> exactly. But look, the thing is that, you know, I've got a couple of questions um, that, I, that I outlined um, for you. But I mean, you know, we've had previous conversations and you come across as such a, like a, 
super positive person and you're like, you know, you're very comfortable not taking yourself too seriously. And so what I thought we would do is maybe start there with like figuring out the attitude and mindset of, uh, of an innovator. And my first question to you is, do you think that kind of attitude, that sort of like inherent positivity and like not taking yourself too seriously is, is important to have as an innovator and, and maybe it's even necessary? <laughs> I think everybody has their own style, but this one definitely works for me. As I mentioned, <laughs> you know, even in this podcast and in innovation in general, there's enough challenges coming your way constantly in all shapes and all sizes. And then being positive and being a problem solver is really beneficial. As if you are someone who lets a small thing weigh you down, it can become very overwhelming very fast. So what I do is just look at what can I control and how can I potentially have fun with it? You know, you, you can't stop the waves from coming, but you can learn how to surf. So I'm on my mission to make innovation business as usual. And I really do that by making innovation something actionable and something feasible for everybody. And in that journey, having fun and being positive and embracing embracing challenges is is key for me because um, I want to work in an, in an environment that energizes me it needs to spark joy for me and if I have fun and if I have a positive outlook then people see this they get excited to join me on this wild ride and in the end innovation is something we all need to do together it's just, I cannot just innovate by myself right right I think and that I think is something that's uh it's very important to stress out. Uh, it's not like, typically it's not about you. Like being an innovator or an innovation practitioner is a very um, ungrateful occupation, I think. Um, you know, you're, you're, most of the time you're, you're alone and you're sort of fighting resistance, like resistance against the core of the organization. And yet it's not about you. Completely agree. It's, so I see innovation, if I had to give it a definition, it's, it's a concept or an idea that is new in that environment that you're trying to introduce that really needs to add value for a, a user or a customer. It can be someone, can be a colleague, can be an external party that you're trying to, to develop something for. But in the end, it's about a human on the other end that's like, yes, this is something I really want. So that takes away that, that selfishness it, you're doing it for someone else. Yeah, exactly. So you're an innovation coach at a large uh, corporate. And so I'm assuming you come across your fair share of resistance to change. Can we give our audience a few maybe tips and tricks about how to circumvent that, how to like work around that? Absolutely. As I mentioned before, working in innovation space um, has challenges in all shapes and sizes. And for me, really, the first step is always gathering evidence before diagnosing where this resistance is actually coming from. Listen to people, try to understand what is it? What is it that is currently causing blockers? Is it that they had a previous bad experience with an innovation project or an innovation concept? Or do they perceive it as something new and risky? Or is it unclear to them what the value is? Or it's not a priority? And this list goes on and on and on. So my key tip here is really hear people out and listen to their challenges. This usually already takes away a lot of the, the resistance. Because the key blocker for most people is 
if they don't feel heard or seen, then they also won't feel that they can make an impact if they embrace change, if they embrace innovation. So once you've listened to people and, and gather all this evidence, then you can identify what the underlying problems are for this resistance and you can address it adequately. You know, again, it's about being stubborn. What do you want to achieve? And then how do you get there? You first diagnose before you prescribe the, the medication. So it's, it's this ongoing journey where you continuously need to listen. Uh, and a nice quote here is, we have two ears and one mouth, so we can listen more <laughs> than we speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. But what do, you, what do you do when I'm referring to this sort of um, stubbornness that you talked about? What do you do when like, you know something is maybe the wrong move or you know what the right move is, but your client, you know, whether it's a business unit or maybe, you know, it's, a, it's another stakeholder, they just won't listen. How do, you, how do you get them around? It really depends on the situation. It depends on, on the size as well. What I try to do always is identify the assumptions. And assumptions are things that we believe are true, but we don't have any evidence for. So I always try to challenge uh, teams and leaders on, do we have evidence for this? Do we know this for a fact? Or is this a gut feeling? Is this an, an ego that says, this is really what we need? And usually introducing this concept of assumptions and making decisions based on evidence already flicks a certain switch in most teams as then they really understand the value of doing research, running experiments to show that, yes, this is indeed the way to go. As if they would just continue without evidence, potentially later on, they may realize that this is not something people wanted in the first place. And a lot of time and resources have been, have been wasted on something. Yeah, I also think it does uh, something else as well. It kind of reframes the conversation. So a lot of times it's, again, it's not you against uh, me. It's not, it's not a confrontation. By using experimentation or having evidence, you're kind of moving the, the target or right, the conversation, the confrontation away from you. So there's a third thing that's happening that's not about you or me, but it's something that we can look at together. Exactly, exactly. It's it's not a, a personal vendetta in any way. It's really, look, this is what the facts are. This is what, what the evidence is telling us. This is how we came about this. Let's have a conversation now how we can move forward based on what we found rather than, well, I think this or I believe this. You want to, If you hear those kinds of wording in a conversation, you can usually tell that there's no evidence yet. And it's then always my role to point out, hey, I noticed when you describe this, you use I think or I believe. Can we get to the point where we can say, I know for a fact that this is the case because we have the evidence to support it? Yeah. I don't know if you encountered this, but I, I definitely had my share of, of these experiences when you walk into the room with a business unit uh, stakeholder for the first time. They kind of have this weird look on their face. It's like, <laughs> you know, who is that guy? Oh, no. What does he want? That innovation person again, you know? And um, I, I always think, like, we should do, as innovation practitioners, we should kind of onboard that person, right? Before we step into the room, there should be something that happens, you know, that gets them ready 
for like what to expect? Do you do that sort of thing? Have you encountered that sort of attitude? Yes, but it I, I noticed it comes more from a place of we don't really know what to expect. This is something new and foreign to us. And then do you want us to play with post-its? Because we have work to do. Um, <laughs> that is usually the, the underlying exactly. sentiment. Um, so usually the first thing I do is then ask the question, um, what is innovation to you? What does innovation look like for you? And um, in initial conversations I have, people often describe innovation as this mythical quest where you need to come up with a new to the world idea that disrupts at least three industries and makes a hundred million in the first month. So it's something very unattainable and it's also something quite fluffy to most people. But what I didn't find really important is to break that down and to show, look, innovation is something really everybody can do. And what is What is relevant for you? What do you need? Like As I mentioned, it's about... It, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be completely tech-driven. It's really about what do you need now or in the future? And then how can we step-by-step step get to that point by introducing something that is new to that context? You don't need to reinvent the wheel completely, but let's make it relevant for you. And one of my, my favorite pieces of feedback is... Um, I have this one-day introductory training where we introduce innovation concepts in a, in a, in a hackathon kind of style. And everybody uh, really is applying innovation. And at the end, if it says, wow, I didn't know, but I can do innovation too. And at the end of the day, I had a prototype. That is really what I do it for because it's then really demystified and it's actionable and people understand how they can innovate. Did you ever use a different word for what you do instead of innovation? Have you, just curious, have you played around with different ways of framing what you do? Yes, and I'm still experimenting with this. You know, I'm also trying to gather evidence for what resonates most with people. <laughs> um, I've tried, well, just in general, change, introducing change, different ways of, of working. Um, I have a, a systems engineering background. So sometimes I also try to approach it from a systems design perspective or more of a holistic design perspective. So I, I'm trying around different things. I think innovation at this moment in time resonates most with people as it is something that is high on the agenda everywhere. But again, innovation that looks different for everybody. But if you or anybody else who's listening to this podcast has a recommendation, please let me know. Happy to uh, throw it into the experimentation loop. <laughs> That's a great suggestion. Absolutely. Leave us a comment, email us, whatever LinkedIn, you need to do. React to the yes. posts on LinkedIn under this podcast. I'm assuming there exactly. will be one. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I want to throw you a curveball. I want you to imagine that tomorrow you suddenly had to start all over again, doing what you do, but in a different corporate with no innovation function. Okay, they do not have any innovation program, department, person, whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you focus first on attitude, mindset, that sort of thing? Or how would you, how would you go about it? I think mindset is fundamental as ultimately that drives our value structures and what people believe is true and it drives the behaviors that you want to see. 
And, and that ultimately then reflects an innovation culture. So what I've seen in the past is, is the introduction of new tools or hip new vocabulary, but people don't stick with this if they don't understand why they're doing this in the first place or why they should be doing this in the first place. So there's no point to just introducing tools if people don't understand first why and how it's relevant for them. So that's really the mindset bit. But on the other hand, you also have a lot of people that already have embraced the why and are just desperate for the how. This is also something I, I chatted about with Elvin Turner, who was on one of your previous um, podcasts with his, his new book, Be Less Zombie, where we, we also talked about um, like those first conversations we have with, with innovators or people who want to get started. Um, we both saw that uh, a lot of people who already embraced the why are really looking for, okay, but now how do I get started? Make it super tangible for me. And on a, on a larger scale, what I've also seen happening over the past few years is, like I say, two years ago, most questions were around, why should we do innovation in the first place? Like, why should a financial institution innovate? Why should we do something different? Because it's working, right? And now that has shifted a lot more to, how do you guys do it? Because people have embraced the idea of we need to innovate, we need to adapt, we need to be agile, and we need to make sure that we survive now, but also in the future. So now the questions are a lot more about how do you do it, and how uh, what are the things that are not working for you? What have you what have you learned? So going back to your question, this was a bit <laughs> of a detour. Um, if I had to do it all over again. Uh, again, I would just start with listening and and asking questions. What do what do people need? This is basically the approach for every innovation project ever, right? It's first understanding who are my personas, who are they, what do they need, where are they currently struggling, what are the jobs to be done, and if we introduce innovation, what can they potentially gain from this? And this is different for the CEO. This is different for a, a newly joined analyst or a relationship manager or someone in the back office. So really understanding where, what do they want? What do they need? And then matching that with the value proposition of innovation. Is there a need for this sustaining innovation a lot closer to our core business, a lot closer to what we're currently doing? Or should we really be looking at ideas that go beyond our traditional offering for, for clients and really go disruptive on ourselves? It would really start with first, where are people on this adoption journey? Are they asking why should we do this or how should we do this? And then see what are the needs? Are we looking at closer to our own core, making it work for us? Or are we looking five years ahead, 10 years ahead? Because it, it, it takes a different approach. And I'm very lucky that I've, I've been able to see both. But based on that, you really um, would design what to do next. So yeah, that's my my strategy in a minute. <laughs> Wonderful. I mean, it's key. I, so if I had to sort of uh, uh, summarize that, I would say, you know, start with research. That's always a good place to start. Do more listening than talking. But then the next step is kind of, um, and I've, I don't think anyone has been talking about this a lot, but like segmentation. I think what you're saying is segmentation. You cannot lump the entire organization into like this one bucket, right? You have to segment based on the research 
And then, like you said, put people, put different segments on different adoption curves and then build, right? Build yep. uh, programs, build mm -hmm. uh, services, build whatever for each one of these curves. And maybe they, you know, they intertwine, they, 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 they go in parallel, whatever. But it's a lot about segmentation, I think, is what you're saying. Exactly. It's it's almost innovation inception, right? Because this is also, if I work with a team, the first thing I do is, okay, for who are you doing this? What is the problem that you're trying to solve? And this problem looks different for different personas. The same goes for innovation. There are different people with different needs. Mapping that out first sets you up for success in the long term. So one more thing I want to add about mindset change it is really the biggest challenge in any kind of transformation. So it's really about on one end, balancing the implementation of tangible new practices on a large scale with new wording and language so everybody can still understand each other that's going through this transition. That's really sorting out the, the how bit. But on the other hand, you need to balance it with making sure that what is introduced is still relevant for the team and the people that they still feel what is being done is still relevant for their why. So that is that is a, a, an ongoing balancing challenge. And this is where the shameless plug comes in. This is where you really need coaching. They need to keep the, coaches really need to keep the finger on the pulse to see what is working and what does the team need now? Or what do we need to adapt so that we really keep getting better and get this team to this high performing state? Um, Suzanne, school's almost out. Um, but before we wrap up, how can listeners get in touch with you and maybe learn more about what you do? You can find me on LinkedIn and do shoot me a message there or slide in my DMs, as the cool kids say nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I regularly share things on LinkedIn that I'm working on or things that I learned and here and there are some, some fun stuff too. Uh, so that's the easiest way for us to connect. Perfect. I, I, I This would be another high recommendation um, to just follow you because you put out a lot of uh, great content you're sharing your process you're just sharing your journey and you also have one of the coolest about sections on linkedin that i've <laughs> read you know um, things like driven by any rational desire to read contracts like novels i think that's yeah, that's, that's an actual quote. <laughs> that's an actual quote from the About uh, page of Suzanne. So go follow her on LinkedIn and um, follow the great stuff that she puts out there. Uh, Suzanne, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast.